Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. And we're back for another episode of On Culture. Uh, glad to be here with you. On Culture is the podcast of The Embassy, theembassy.substack.com. I am joined once again by Chad Myers. How are you doing this morning, Chad? Hey, I'm doing well. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, friends. Good morning, Mike. It's good here. I forgot to mention before when we were talking, we had snow on the ground, actually. It snowed last night, so I think it'll oh. probably, I don't know if it'll last, but uh, a little bit of snow on the ground. It's kind of nice. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, some New Year snow, snow in, in early January. We're going to talk about the new year uh, as we get as we dive into this. So um, it's probably not snowing there in South Carolina. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. It's foggy and rainy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of that's kind of what we we were having. Um, so, twenty twenty four is it going to be the worst year ever or the best year ever? Um, first of all, twenty twenty four for some reason to me sounds like watching a science fiction movie as a kid and flashing into the future, and they're on some spaceship or something it's 2024 yeah i mean doesn't it seem like a weird i don't know why it strikes me especially as uh you know it's somehow the deep future has arrived and it's 2024 or something i don't know uh, and, and i i feel the same way maybe it's because we were you know born in the 1900s but it's like yes when we were i was you know in 1980 2024 just felt like a very like flying cars there's going to be flying cars right Right. Right. And that's where, you know, I kind of start out with Prince's 1999, which I was in college when that was playing all the time. Uh, and, you know, party over, oops, out of time, you know, going to party like it's 1999, 2000, you know, looking forward to this future, <laughs> this future of 2000, which is now almost a quarter century ago. Uh, yeah. And, right. And uh, so, you were younger than me when the, that that song came out, I suppose, a little kid. But um, yeah, I mean, then it was Y2K. We were, you know, the technology god was going to strike darkness upon the land, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And <laughs> we always kind of do this. Go ahead. Well, I remember standing in my street um, that year, New Year's Eve. Waiting for the lights to turn out. Kind of like something's got to happen. Something's got. I don't know what, but something's got to happen. And then it hits twelve, and it's like, where is it? Where's the thing? Yeah, I went. I went and went to bed. Yeah, right. That was disappointing. Uh, You know, your cars started driving into trees, and planes (laughs) crash, and the lights. You know, whatever. Uh, Yeah, nothing. Um, Yeah, and so we're always sort of. I mean, I think now it's it's easy to look at the future with foreboding uh, easier. It seems as the years go on and, you know, uh, things are falling apart and, you know, is this, how close are we to the end, especially among, you know, believers, we kind of hear that uh, I think a lot Um, that sort of comes and goes. It has come and gone. When I was a kid, there was a big, you know, late great planet earth was a, was a book 
that was hugely popular, I think in the seventies. Um, and, uh, and, you know, um, but I do think there's a sense of, yeah, it's, you know, things are bad. You know, the world's kind of coming apart and we got this war over here and that war over here. And the political situation is not probably palatable for most people and, you know, whatever. And then, you know, in that sort of, uh, in that sort of space, I stumbled across this article about the year 536 being the worst year ever. That's a, like, that's a brilliant part in your piece too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Actually, you can measure the worst year ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, because in some ways we just don't have any idea how good we have it. We have no mm-hmm. reference for how good we have it. Even when things are really bad for us, or we would say they're bad. Mm-hmm. If you compare ourselves to other parts of the world, um, you know, when we were uh, ministering together in Ethiopia, you know, there was a pastor there who had a, young, a daughter, a young a baby daughter who needed medical care and we couldn't whatever. And we couldn't get, we couldn't get the right care. And there was, oh, maybe we can get her to Israel and, you know, from Ethiopia, blah, 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 trying to raise money. And then she died. And it was just like, that's yeah. something that happens in other parts of the world kind of a lot. And it's just, it seemed unthinkable to us that you, you know, you couldn't get, uh, you couldn't get, you know, basic medical care. What would we would consider basic medical care, but, you know, extraordinary there. Uh, and then you go back in time, of course, and it's, you know, people starving, you know, and then there's, you know, plague, you know, that kills, you know, somewhere between a third to a half of the Roman Empire, which is like, that's just that's crazy. A, it's just crazy. And it's just like, like, let's think of all the people I know. If I'm still alive, a third to a half of them are dead. Uh, and it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, it was really, really rough, you know? Uh, and um, we kind of feel like there's like a, I think, in in a sense, things are going off the handle. Things are bad. Things are going to get worse. On the one hand, on the other hand, we're surprised when something happens like a pandemic that shows that we're not totally in control of of things and such. Um, and so, how do we how do we think about the future as we're entering into this this new year? And what kind of year is twenty twenty four going to be? Um, is it going to be the best? Is it going to be the worst? And what kind of year is it going to be? So I don't know. Do you think about that new year? Do you think about the year past, the year coming? What kind of year is it going to be? I typically, I typically, that's not part of my temperament where I think about what kind of year I've had or we've had, and then look forward to the next year, what kind of year, but for um, obvious reasons for me, this 2023 and 2024 I have because Mm -hmm. for me and for reasons I won't go into right now, but it was one of the most difficult years that Mm -hmm. um, I've faced that Courtney and I have faced in our adult lives. And Mm -hmm. one of the most challenging and stressful and painful and confusing and all sorts of things. So (laughs) for me, absolutely. I'm like, okay, let's, let's turn the page. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, for us, and it was, 
I would say it was a very terrible year. I would say that. And at the same time, I'd have to follow that up with, and yet we've had multiple conversations of, but we're all healthy. Mm -hmm. We're all alive. Mm -hmm. We're all functional physically Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we're together as, as a family. And, you know, like you said, the, in Ethiopia, they lost their, uh, he lost his daughter and we have access to healthcare. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so some of it for us is okay. Yeah. We're definitely ready to leave some of these uh, painful things behind and, and have fresh starts and new leaves and all that stuff. But at the same time, it's somewhat a matter of perspective. It depends on how you look at it. It depends on what you're looking for. I remember, um, uh, I think it was Brian McLaren, and I know he's somewhat of a controversial Christian figure, but he, mm-hmm. he said, uh, what you focus on determines what you miss. Hmm. And so if you're, if I, when I'm just focused on everything that has been bad and how it could go worse and it it could obviously get terrible and blah, 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 then I'm missing things of like, but look at all the beauty right here, right now in the present, look at all the good things. And it's not, it's not as a, as a form of denial, like, oh, I just, I don't want to deal with anything. So everything's great. It's more as a reality balance of the world isn't only dark and terrible and evil and broken. Um, The world isn't only beautiful and kind and peaceful either. It's this both and tension of living east of Eden and in the middle before everything is made right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's interesting that you said, and it's not denial. It's not a happy dappy. um, Isn't everything wonderful isn't everything always wonderful sort of thing that you're not really the depth of which you're not. Because I think if you're, if you're trying to only focus on uh, everything's great, you know, part of what makes the blessings of God so appreciated is the circumstances that they come in a, in darkness and that I see this blessing in the context of this darkness I'm going through and if I never, oh, no darkness, well, then you sort of mute the blessing and the grace as well, right? Everything becomes this sort of flat, fake, featureless, pretend optimism that, mm. uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, no, that's I, not absolutely. me, but I think I, you know, I, I, would, I know people like that where I feel like they're always happy, but are they? You know, or they're always optimistic, but are they really? It's almost like they, ha- you know, they're they're screaming into the into the void. Uh, inst- you know, instead of saying, "Yeah, things are really rough or can be really rough," but but here's here's God's provision, here's God's grace, um, here's this beauty. But it's in the context of things being really difficult. Um, and I think there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a balance there of, uh, I really understand grace and blessing partly because life's difficult and I'm willing to face that fact and I'm not being, being fake about it. Cause I do think that Seth, you said it's not, deni- not a denial, but I do think that's, that's an interesting observation that, right. Well, I think you, I think you can, the the 
you know, like you, the, the putting on my rose colored glasses to see, or the need to see everything is it's positive. It's going to be fine. It's all going to work out and nobody's going to die. We're not going to get sick and da, 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 da. Like that is definitely a denial of a broken world and a broken self. Yeah. Um, but it's also, but also if there's only tragedy and only darkness and only pessimism and cynicism, then that's also a denial of, well, wait right. a second. There's a lot of good things and a lot of beauty all around us. I think, you know, if we jump right to the, right to the cross, like the, yeah. the crucifixion, if we really kind of reflect and kind of try to stay there as a stance, it prevents us from both sides. Because if you look at the crucifixion, you can't be an optimist. Mm-hmm. Like if God comes to the world and we kill him, you can't be an optimist. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> and yet, and yet the forgiveness and the free grace that was poured out there, you can't be a pessimist. Yeah. You, yeah. Somehow there's this, this paradox, if you will, of in the middle of all of this dark tragedy, there's also this beauty and goodness coming in the midst of it. Yeah. And the, and the beauty and the goodness comes in the context of the dark tragedy and, and yeah, so there's, there's, yeah, there's kind of the, the cross is the ultimate realism of, yes, God died uh, and his death was made necessary partly by me. uh, And yet uh, he was willing to die uh, to bring grace, not only to me, but to everyone and to all of the cosmos for the redemption of all things. Uh, and so it's like, it's the same with, um, I mean, what is hope? I mean, what does hope mean if everything's always wonderful? What are you hoping for? Actually? Um, it doesn't even make any sense to say I have hope for things when I'm just convinced myself that no, nothing will ever be bad. Um, kind of hope requires some, yes, in the midst of some darkness, I still hope for redemption and for movement and whatever. And I think that's, we kind of put ourselves, we, we can put ourselves in a position where we're insulated by potentially bad circumstances because we're, we don't want to admit they they'll happen. And so therefore we have nothing to hope for. We're just sort of scared of being potentially wrong about circumstances being good or something. I don't know if I'm making sense, but that you need both things or in order to see one of the two clearly, you kind of need them both. Right. Yeah, I think so because it's not a real hope. Um, It's not a real hope if I'm in denial of my own brokenness and the brokenness uh, around me. Um, It's not a real anchoring of the, of that. I think one of the, you know, verses I go back to personally is that, um, it's in John, um, 14 through 16. I'm going to just broadly stroke that (laughs) is that the spirit is the spirit of truth. Mm -hmm. And for me, that means that the spirit works in truth with truth, not in falsehoods and not in deceptions. And for me, that means self-deception. So if I really want a genuine hope and a genuine joy, then I have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If that's what I'm really going through, Mm -hmm. am I really walking through the valley of the, am I really embracing 
the pain, uh, the betrayal, the rejection, um, the, my own, you know, new year's resolutions to be a better person fail Mm -hmm. within hours Mm -hmm. or a week. Like, am I really embracing that? And if we, if we can, if we have the strength to do that, then I think we will see that we also have the ability to embrace by God's grace, the, the hope that comes from that. Otherwise, you know, optimism is not really hope. Uh, denial is not really hope. Um, but to, it, we just don't like tension as human beings and to live in mm-hmm. the middle of, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta embrace both. You gotta embrace both. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's <clears throat> that's a good way to encapsulate it is <clears throat> without truth, uh, without seeing the truth of the situation, it's hard to recognize grace. It's hard to recognize our need of grace. It's hard to recognize the necessity of judgment. It's hard to recognize uh, God's movement and blessing uh, in, in a real sort of way. And it's hard to have hope for, because if you're not, if you're not anchored in truth, you're sort of making up an alternate reality. And so then the hope is sort of an alternate reality hope and the faith is sort of an alternate reality faith. And, you know, the closer we can, um, you know, as John says in first John, walk in the light as he is in the light, um, that, you know, I think when I, I think sometimes that passage is wrongly interpreted meaning walk without sin Uh, but walking in the light means walking transparently authentically like everything's visible Uh, and that's the only way you can actually have true confession and true repentance and true reconciliation and grace and hope is if um, I'm honest about me and the world and what's really happening. Uh, and I think that's, there's a lot of powerful things. And that's so when we look at a new year, a lot of the times it's, I think about the trend, you know, the circumstances of the new year that I hope that this circumstance happens, or I hope this, this circumstance doesn't happen or whatever. Um, it, you know, and then, you know, instead of like, what is my, what is my stance in the world going to be so that I can respond uh, you know, you know, in a Christ-like way to the circumstances that come, um, because I can't control the circumstances of it, of any year. Um, and I think that's a much more difficult thing. And I think sometimes what we do as Christians, instead of actually thinking about the actual future, instead of thinking about my stance in the world in 2024, there's this end times sort of view of things that I want to know the exact chronology and what's going to happen in judgment day, you know, when it really is party over, oops, out of time, um, in Prince's formulation is, you know, this sense of, uh, you know, replacing an actual view of a real immediate future that I'm actually living in and responsible for. So for some view of eschatological events that may not happen in my lifetime at all. And if they do, I'm not really controlling them you know, and I'm not really sure that me knowing the exact chronology is going to certainly isn't necessarily going to help me live faithfully in 2024. And this, that's this question that when Jesus is talking about in Luke 18, I reference, you know, 
you know, sandwiched in between these two stories, there's this question, but when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And that seems to me the question of how we should look at the future and live in the present is, I don't know when, when the son of man comes, if he comes in my lifetime or whatever, but the only way that I'm prepared for that is to be living faithfully now to live in faith now is the job that I have in front of me. And then that, that turns questions of 2024 into what does that actually look like for me in January of 2024 in February and March, which is a much more immediate and practical question, but it's also a much more difficult question. And it's easier to think about, either not think about it at all or think about some fake and not even fake necessarily because the theology could be right, but it's some sort of hypothetical future that I may not experience when I'm actually, the question Jesus asked is, well, what if I came right now? You know, that's kind of the idea. If I came right now, would I find faith on the earth? That's the question he's asking us, right? Well, I think it's, it's a lot less fun to talk about that. It's, it's a, a lot, lot less more fun. It's a lot more yeah. fun to talk about, is it getting better or is it getting worse? And it's a lot more mm-hmm. fun because we are drawn to um, negative primarily. It's mm-hmm. a lot more fun to just talk about, is it getting worse? And here's how it's getting worse. And I think it's getting worse because of this, which is just kind of this interesting maneuver of like, well, what's it? And what do we mean yeah. by it's getting worse? Like from right. my vantage point, the, right. and it's, it's also a maneuver that probably like you're, you're driving home keeps us from some practical concrete ownership of my present responsibility. So maybe, maybe a more helpful, you know, more practical question, like you're saying is, will he find faith on the earth is what do I need to do to make things redemptively better right now? Like, what is my mm-hmm. responsibility? Like, is it better or worse? I'm going to let God deal with that. For me, though, I'm I'm supposed to make something better. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to bring healing. I'm supposed to mm-hmm. fight against the darkness. I'm supposed to, you know, bring mm-hmm. some redemptive plan in some very small way to this world. So what do I do? What am I supposed to do today? You know, what, yeah. gift, what gift am I supposed to unwrap, so yeah. to speak? And I think it's interesting in that... I mean, the only way that we actually can do that is by faith and faithful response to God's movement in our lives, faithful dependence on him, which is the only thing we can do about the future too. And so if I'm focused on that, then I'm actually where God wants me to be no matter what what happens. Um, And I do think this, all of that is mixed in with our often found in the evangelical world or the Christian world, even non-evangelical Christian world, there's this sense of um, somewhat surprise at God's judgment uh, that, um, you know, we were, we were reading as uh, we're going through the book of Joel. Um, We started through the book of Joel in, uh, at New City and, we're talking about in a small group and you know, the first, first part of the first chapter is just, um, you know, I said it should be subtitled locusts, locusts, locusts. 
where but you know where these locusts didn't do these of the locusts did and then when those did didn't do those and uh and and sort of everything's ruined um it's like why would god like they must have been bad and yeah they were in, in idol worship and all sorts of things but that's sort of what we do like if a bad thing happens there's some sort of cause and effect even even if people wouldn't claim to believe this theologically and would say it's wrong theologically, there's some sort of cause and effect, meaning I must have failed spiritually because this bad circumstance happened. Uh, and when we can look at all sorts of people all over the world or the Bible, it's obviously faithfulness does not insulate us from bad circumstances, which, again, we... You know, we would pass some sort of theological test probably if we were giving that we're given that question on a test. But in real life, um, and yeah, obviously, if I cry out from prison, why am I, Lord, why am I in prison when I when I robbed a bank and got caught and put in prison? Then yeah, there's some of that perhaps. I it's not it's not a it's not a crazy question perhaps to ask. How much of this did I bring upon myself? But there's this sense in which, my, if my circumstances are bad. Um, God must be displeased with me. So I'm either going to be uh, in denial about my circumstances or I'll be in bewilderment about what God's doing or maybe be angry at God, even if I don't admit it. Instead of saying, bad circumstances happen all the time to all people because we live in a broken world and because I'm broken and I'm a participant in it. But God is faithful, and in that context, I can see the hope of uh, the gospel and redemption. Um, all things we probably could say if we were talking to somebody else, but when it's us, what's, what kind of year 2024 is going to be, there's this undertone of, I hope nothing really bad happens, mm-hmm. which is, right? I mean, partly it's just total normal. We don't, we, we don't control events. Uh, and we spend all of our, I mean, a lot of our time trying to convince ourselves that we've made the right choices so that our events are controlled. But this is not the truth. Uh, and at some level we know that. And I kind of feel like, oh, that's bad. We feel like that's bad. But really that's truth. As you say, we don't control events. And so the only way to live in the world as a believer is to live in faith and dependence on the God who can bring us through all these circumstances um, and yet that's hard. That's difficult. It's easier to try to really desperately try to control our circumstances. And that's how we judge the year or the coming year. Right. Well, I think that's absolutely true. And, and certainty and control are, you know, that, that doesn't mean, as you say in your article, we don't, um, prepare and we don't live sure. on wisdom, you know, you know, if you can afford health insurance, you should probably get it, you know? Yep. And those are, put your seatbelt on, but health insurance, safe right. retirement, all of that. Yeah. Right. But it yeah. doesn't, that's not a substitute for faith and faith. If you, if I've been reflecting a lot on the stories in the scriptures, especially early on old Testament, where there's a lot of injustice and a lot of, you know, even Sarah and Hagar, and Abraham, mm-hmm. And Hagar gets mistreated and run off by Sarah. And then, and then basically Abraham has to, to kick her out. And it just seems like, well, that's, that's very unfair. Like what, what was her fault? Right. But 
then God finds her as her son's about to die, Ishmael. And Mm -hmm. you just think this terrible circumstance, God finds her. And she says, did I really expect to see God in this place? And she's kind of dumbfounded. Like, I didn't think God was going to, I was going to find God here. And I think she means, I didn't think that God would show up in the midst of these terrible circumstances. I thought this was over. And then you look at Joseph and you look at Joseph being betrayed by his brothers, Mm -hmm. told his dad he was murdered, put into prison or yeah, betrayed by Potiphar's wife, put into prison and then raised in a foreign land. And it's not a fully happy ending. I mean, it, no. God works all things for good, but that doesn't mean it's a happy, he lives, he lives the majority of his life away from his family, yeah. his brothers, his father, hmm. he's in a distant land. So yeah. probably not the way he would have scripted it. No. Right? right. He wouldn't have said, this is a happy thing. I want to be in control. But then you see faith. He names his two kids that he has in Egypt Ephraim and Manasseh, and one of them means, God, you made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Mm-hmm. So God shows up, and, and I think of Romans 8, 28, this, you know, God works all things for good for those who love him. That doesn't mean we're insulated from tragedy and sickness and bad circumstances, but even, even in our own, like you said, there are consequences to our actions. And so sometimes we bring on these consequences because that's the reality God created, and yet even Augustine said, God works all things for good, even our sins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even our sins. God is such a gracious yeah. and redemptive God that even, even in the midst of things we bring upon ourselves or things that we're out of our control and they just happen to us and it doesn't mean we're bad or we do anything wrong. God's there working redemption. Mm-hmm. That's where, to your point, that's what faith is. Will he find faith? Can I trust yeah. God in the midst of, could be a bad year, we don't really know yet. Yeah. And what is bad even me? I do think that, like you, if, you, you know, when you just said, you know, Augustine said, God works all things for our good, even our sins. There's probably some people in the here that they go, oh, oh, I don't know about that. Who's this Augustine? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet that's, that is the definition of redemption. That's what redemption is, is to redeem, is to bring something good out of what is something bad, not to go back and make a bad thing good. It's to take the bad thing and bring some good out of it, mm-hmm. which is what, what is what God is about in our life all the time and in our circumstances. So genuinely bad, tragic circumstances, God wants to bring redemption in us. Part of the redemption is to increase our dependence on him, increase our faith, increase our ability to see things as they truly are and walk in grace and to, see our need of grace for ourselves. Therefore we have it to give to others. All of that is probably because we're broken, probably dependent on some bad circumstances because we wouldn't be doing it otherwise. We wouldn't be going down these roads willingly. We kind of have to be dragged kicking and screaming. And that's what spiritual growth generally means. I think for most people, most of the time. And I think we want, we're all for spiritual growth, but pretty much this is how it works. <laughs> right? But, but even for you and I, we've gone through some pretty difficult things in our lives and we wouldn't, if we saw the end of the story, we'd be like, no, I don't want to go through that. 
I don't want to go through that. But true deep. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Where's the other road? But (laughs) true deep transformation um, is often through and as a result of deep suffering. And we're human. So not willingly choosing it is a normal thing. So like you said, often it's just the necessary path to understand grace and to be transformed is through very difficult, painful circumstances. Yeah. 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 And so as we, as we come to the end, that's sort of the point in a sense I was trying to ruminate around in the piece is that that sort of determines what kind of year 2024 is going to be. Is my stance one in which I will, uh, will be amenable to my spiritual growth will I be an instrument in the growth of others by encouraging them in difficult circumstances? Will I see my circumstances through God's love for me and care for me? You know, God works all things together for my good. That's verse 28 and verse 29 is that we are uh, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, which is the good that he means. Uh, all working all things for good means all the things, good things, bad things, my mistakes, other people's sins against me, all of those things God wants to work so that I will be conformed to the image of his son, which is what he was saying in that, in that passage, not the good being prosperous, you know, uh, no bad circumstances. And the reality is the only way I get conformed to the image of his son is, is through some difficulty in my life, probably, um, uh, or blessing that comes through difficulty or is seen through the lens of what's difficult um, just because I'm me. And that's probably the only way I can do it. So, and I think that's true for, for most people. Um, so thinking about 2024 in some ways, it would be good to think about, yeah, there's, uh, there's probably, there probably needs to be some bumps in the road. Otherwise I will degrade and, and atrophy spiritually. And so, you know, what will I, what will my stance be towards what's difficult in the year and will I be open to God's movement in that and God's redemption and God's spirit Um, so with all of that uh, let's let's draw to the close Uh, we're over our time and so until next time uh, grace and peace and happy new year you've been listening to On Culture a podcast of the Embassy newsletter have a question send it to theembassy at substack.com And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.